0: sleeping studio audience of women and children good morning afternoon or evening uh i'm kevin this is fight stripe fight night 151 wrap-up in ufc 237 preview uh i'm flying solo tonight um, without the voice of reason jason uh we both had a couple of things come up this week and uh, that delayed our recording and we figured that um I would get Jason's picks and put something together so we could get something out for uh, the uh, wrap-up and the preview. So here we go. Um, Previewing UFC Fight Night 151. um, Donald Cerrone versus Al Iaquinta. And uh, going with the bottom of the card, uh, actually Jason and I both did pretty well with our picks on this card. Jason was 4-2. I was 5-1. Um, we both were in uh, agreement and got the first fight right. Uh, Andrew Sanchez defeated marc Andre Barrio, and uh, Jason and I both picked that. Uh, we thought Andrew Sanchez would kind of control with his wrestling. Um, Barrio had a pretty good second round and uh, was coming on. It was a great, I thought, um, debut UFC debut for Barrio. Um, look forward to seeing him in the division as uh, he goes forward with his UFC career but Sanchez uh did kind of do what we thought he would and, and ultimately control and win the fight um with his wrestling moving on uh Walt Harris versus Sergey Spivak and Jason and I both picked Harris uh Harris with the performance of the night first round TKO of Spivak I said in this one I was maybe a little bit gun-shy on picking an unknown prospect coming up with a good record um, just because of what happened with the uh, Greg Hardy fight. And while they're not related, they're obviously not the same fighter, not even the same camp, not even from the same country, that kind of proved to be true as Walt Harris made easy work of Spivak. Hope the polar bear comes back and hope to see him in the UFC again because I think he has potential and I think he could end up being an entertaining fighter. Moving on to the third fight, uh, Marab Billy, defeated Brad Katona via unanimous decision. All three judges scored this 30-27. to I got this pick right. Justin picked Katona. Sorry, Jason picked Katona. He got that wrong, um, however, I, I thought it was a little bit closer than 30-27 on all the judges' scorecards. Regardless, Murab got the decision. He came out with his uh, Papa Ka hat on, kind of like a Habib Nurmagomedov wears, uh, he was, Murab was wearing a black one though. Threw me off for a second because I was watching the fight, went to commercial. I just stopped paying attention, came back, and I'm like, hold on, where did he get all this hair? So, um, tricked me a little bit, but uh, regardless, I, I think Marab controlled the fight uh, with his grappling and uh, was a little more aggressive, although it was a, it was a good showing for Katona, too. Marab, um, though, ultimately handing uh, Katona his first loss and um, looked to see uh, these guys back, uh, Marab at the end of the fight saying that if he lost this one, he was going to go back and maybe contemplate uh, fighting in the UFC and if he was you know, at the right level. But he, he looked good. They both looked good. And um, it's a good fight for the Bantamweight division. Going to the fourth fight of the night, Shane Burgos defeated Cub Swanson via split decision. Jason picked Swanson. I picked Burgos. Um, this is Jason's second Wrong pick of the night. uh, Two in a row here. Um, But I thought this fight, if it was a split decision for Cub Swanson, I wouldn't have been that upset. Um, It was a split decision for Shane Burgos, not that upset. I ultimately thought this fight was a draw. If you look at each of the rounds, um, they're about as close as you can get. Both guys landing right about uh, 50% of their significant strikes for each round, and actually in the first round, both of them landed 50% of their significant strikes. Um, this is one of these fights that I think is entertaining enough. It's not one that you, you're going to be uh, ranting and raving about afterwards. But uh, it was a good fight. It was, it was kind of what I call you know a good sparring match. Interesting to watch. Um, I ultimately thought it was a draw, but I what I think doesn't matter <laughs> as far as how the fights are scored. So, um, Burgo's picking up that one. Um, And uh, entertaining fight. Uh, Cub Swanson's on a bit of a slide. I don't think this is a bad showing for him at all. Um, I don't know if he'll get cut by the UFC. If I had to bet on it, I would say that he might. However, he is kind of a name, kind of a draw, and you just never know nowadays. It used to be you lose three fights in a row, and that was kind of like the you know writing on the wall you're going to get cut you got to go down to the uh, smaller organizations win a few fights and earn your way back up nowadays doesn't seem to be too much of the case so Cub may stick around he may have another fight coming up in the UFC Uh, but like I said if I were a betting man I would think that he'd probably um, be in the next round of cuts from the roster moving on to the co-main event of the evening Derek Brunson defeated Elias Theodoro via um, unanimous decision. Watching this and kind of paying attention to the commentary, uh, I had the volume down low, uh, bottle feeding a uh, baby and trying not to uh, upset him. Uh, I did pick up a couple of times of uh, the announcers and uh, Michael Bisbing in general saying that they thought Theodoro was winning this fight, Brunson really had to do something. I didn't get that impression. I mean, this to me was kind of point fighting gone wrong. Uh, It looked like Theodoro, um, his game plan was to keep his distance, to move in and out, to strike, to kind of confuse and uh, create movement to keep Brunson from taking him down and dominating with his wrestling. Which I, I think that's a, a great game plan. However, he it just wasn't he wasn't dynamic with the the and and moving in and out and um, keeping his distance. There was a few, a, a few times where he he came in and the, the strikes were just, the strikes that he was throwing were just awkward and um, you know <laughs> kind of they weren't conventional strikes. I'd, you know I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, either way, I wasn't on board with the. Uh, With the announcers on on calling this one, um, them thinking that Elias uh, had the the advantage and it was uh, his fight to lose. I thought it was a close fight. I did think that Brunson edged it out. Um, I picked Theodoro, uh, Jason picked Brunson, so that's a loss for me, and uh, Jason's back in the win column. Moving on to the fight of night, Donald Cerrone defeated Al Iaquinta via unanimous decision. And this was an awesome performance by Donald Cerrone. He said in an interview, a post-fight interview, that he didn't feel right. He didn't feel like warming up. He didn't feel like stretching, wrestling, sparring. And uh, he kind of had to fake it the first round. He said that the old cowboy would have lost. And um, in that fight, he would have just kind of thrown in the towel and given up. Um, That's... I think that's awesome, and and I mean that by his honesty, I think that's an awesome thing to say, and you don't really get that type of honesty and insight really in any um, professional sports, but, um, you know, really good uh, glimpse into the head maybe of a professional fighter and someone who's been around as long as Donald Cerrone and holds just about every uh, longevity and uh, performance of the night record that you can in the UFC. I think he's going to be around for a while. In um, in really convincing performance, this definitely this this bumped him up into the top five. Um, there's an argument there for him to have a title shot next. Um, however, it's kind of log jammed at the top of the lightweight division. Uh, you have an interim champ and in Dustin Poirier. Uh, Habib Nurmagomedov's the champion. He's coming back. Those two are supposed to fight in September. And you have uh, Tony Ferguson waiting in the wings who hopefully will make his return um, this summer, if not this fall. He's another interim champ that was supposed to get the next crack at the title. So I'm not sure if they're going to let him have the winner of Poirier Habib. Uh, my instinct, my gut kind of tells me that uh, maybe Ferguson, Cerrone's the fight to make. Cerrone called out for a title shot and or Conor McGregor. Um, Cerrone McGregor would be an awesome fight to see, but who knows? We'll, uh, we'll um, keep our eyes on that. and I, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those fights, to be honest with you. Um, moving on to the UFC... Two thirty-seven. That was fight night. One fifty-one. Ottawa wrap-up. Uh, again, to sum up, Kevin went five and one. I went five and one. Jason went four and two. Good showing for both of us. Um, and that Cubs Swanson fight was the make it or break. It fight. I, um, you know, I could have been wrong on that. Or like I said, I thought it was a draw. Um, and rarely do you go as. Uh, Rarely do you go like a five and one, four and two. So that was it, it was you know, we were right on this one. We we struck gold on this, but we'll see how we do on um, the UFC 237 preview. Um, so getting into it, uh, UFC 237 coming up this Saturday, May 11th, uh, going to happen in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, cards headlined by Thug Rose, Nami Yunus versus Jessica Andraj. And we're going to cover the main card. Also, Jason and I were talking about, the, about this fight after the last podcast, kind of uh, going through and previewing the card. And uh, we're going to cover a prelim fight, BJ Penn versus Clay Guida. This isn't even the main event. Of the prelim fight, but it's an interesting one because I think Jason and I are both on the same page with this that uh, as fans, we'd like to see BJ Penn stop fighting. Um, His, you know, I think (laughs) at this point, you could argue he's only tarnishing his legacy. I don't don't think he's tarnishing it, but I I think the longer there's no need for him to to fight anymore, basically. Um, I'm kind of of the mind that you can't protect people from themselves, uh, ultimately. And, you know, he's if BJ wants to continue fighting, if the UFC doesn't give him an avenue to do that, if Jackson Wink doesn't give him an avenue to do that, he's just going to go somewhere else and, and and continue to fight. So it's kind of up to uh, BJ, obviously, at this point. But he's on a six-fight losing streak, on a seven-fight winless streak. I saw an article early to, earlier today that's the longest... Uh, non-win streak in UFC history and there's just nothing that he has to prove you know I think um, my amateur very amateur uh, psychoanalytical view of it is that I think uh, and let me just first say that I'm BJ Penn is one of my favorite if not my favorite fighters of all time Um, I think he largely got through his career off of just raw athleticism and talent. Um, he, I think it's pretty well documented that he didn't take training all that seriously, nor did he really train all that hard. He kind of ran his own training camps and did what he wanted to, when he wanted to. One of my favorite videos watching uh, BJ Penn was he was talking, I think it was his uh, second fight against Matt Hughes. Uh, he was saying that he wasn't going to eat any chicken. He wasn't eating any chicken during that training camp because the chicken's an animal where if it comes across danger, it turns around and runs. He was only re- eating pork because the wild boar, wild pig, or whatever, was a ferocious animal and it ran towards danger. So that was kind of his, in a nutshell, philosophy on <laughs> training training and fighting. Um, you know, it didn't seem to take it all seriously, I think, later on and, and nowadays in his career. If it's maybe some regret or maybe some, you know, kind of making up for lost time. I, I, I don't know what it is, but it, it seems to be that he wants to now be with the team because he's with Jackson Wink, uh, take his fighting more seriously, and, you know, see what he can put together. Unfortunately for him, I think time has kind of passed him by. Uh, however, he's, he is fighting Clay Guida. Which this would have been an awesome match matchup and one that everyone would want to see, you know, 12 years ago. Uh, those two fighting on on the prelim, like I said, it's the the uh, third or fourth fight on the prelim. It's not the main event. Jason and I are both picking uh, Clay Guida to win this one. Um, I think that Guida's is just going to out wrestle him. I, I'm not sure if he finishes BJ. Um, the way things have been going for BJ lately, I I wouldn't be surprised, but this is my picks. Clay Guida, however, I will be rooting for BJ Penn. I'd like to see a glimpse of BJ Penn of old, uh, show up in this fight, in this, uh, lightweight fight. However, I don't think it's likely to happen. Okay. So as we move into the main event of UFC 237, uh, Rose Namajunas taking on... Jessica Andrade for the uh, Women's Strawweight Championship. First fight of the night is lightweight bout, Francisco Trinaldo versus Diego Fijeda. Uh, Fijeda the favorite in this fight. He's coming off of uh, four wins. Fan- Francisco Trinaldo uh, coming off of one win. Both of these guys, Brazilian fighters, uh, Fijeda, black belt in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Francisco Trinaldo um he's a uh, brown belt I believe I don't really though expect too much grappling from these guys uh Trinaldo um m- most impressive win um that I saw excellent timing and uh came quick in the second round against uh, his last fight actually Evan Dunham in uh, September 2018 moved in with a beautiful knee to the liver and Evan Dunham went down right away uh Francisco uh is is more as I watch him I kind of pin him as a uh, a brawler it's not to take away or neglect any of the skill that he has striking but he kind of comes in with those looping punches uh he's hittable uh and in his UFC career he absorbs around two and a half strikes per minute um Diego uh, Fieda, though he, he's he's hitable too. He absorbs about uh, a little over three strikes per minute. Uh, however, I think he's a more seasoned fighter. Um, he's I, looking over their you know their their last five. I think he's faced uh, both of them have faced a uh, pretty tough competition. I actually I, I take that back. I I retract what I was about to say. I don't know if you can do that since you haven't said it, but um, I, I think Trinaldo has, has gone through the c- tougher competition in their last five fights. Um, however, uh, Jason is, is picking uh, Fijedo. Um, I'm also going with Fijedo. Fijeda. I'm sorry. I, I keep uh, fumbling these names. Uh, Fijeda. Jason and I are both picking Fijeda. Fijeda. Um, you know, I, I just think I, I think he has the advantage grappling, which, as I say, that's one of the first things that I look at. Who, which fighter, do I think has a better chance uh, dictating where the fight takes place? If they're not, you know, winning it on the feet, are they capable of taking it to the ground? And if they are capable of taking it to the ground, can they control it on the ground? And I think the better chance in this fight um, for dictating where the fight takes place lies with uh, Fijeda. So Jason and I uh, both picking uh, Diego Fijeda to be victorious over Francisco Trinaldo in the first fight of the night on UFC 237. Um, Moving on to the second fight on the main card, we have Tiago Alves versus Loreno Steropoli. Uh, Pepe is Serapoli's nickname, so we're going to call this the Pitbull for Tiago Alves versus Pepe uh, fight, since I'm having trouble pronouncing names tonight. <laughs> um, Tiago Alves coming off of one win. Um, Pepe, Loriano Serapoli coming off of uh, he, he, six wins, and um, this is uh, going to be Serapoli's second fight in the UFC. Um, this is uh, Tiago Alves has is, is been a staple. He retired for a little bit, I think, after uh, 2017, um, his, his win against Patrick Cote. Uh, he retired for maybe about a year, and then he got right, short retirement, he got right into action um, uh, February 2018. Fortunately, 2018, he had two losses. He's coming off of a split decision win from uh, Max Griffin, and um, I'm going with Tiago uh, Alves in this fight. Jason is too. I just, uh, d- d- to me, th- this comes down to experience. And I think Tiago uh, being the uh, savvy bet. Uh, I-, I do like uh, Laureano's, uh, if-, if you watch his highlights, he's an aggressive striker. Uh, he comes in there. He's swinging for the fences. All of the punches that he throws are thrown with bad intentions. Um Appears to have decent grappling as well. However, I just think that uh, uh, Tiago, uh, coming out of an uh, American Top Team, he trains with my buddy down there, uh, former uh, former wrestling coach uh, Mike Brown. I say my buddy. I haven't talked to Mike Brown in, in years <laughs> in full disclosure, but I knew him at one point in time, so I'm going to call him my buddy. Um I, I just think game planning and, uh, you know, uh, just UFC experience. I'm giving this, uh, I, I'm, I'm picking uh, Tiago to win this. Uh, Jason is too. Uh, I'm going to guess for likely close reasons. Um, if not, uh, we'll figure it out on our uh, wrap-up show next week. Moving on to the third fight of the night. Uh, we have Jose Aldo, third fight of the main card, I should say. Jose Aldo versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky, an up-and-coming featherweight. Uh, he just came. He's he's coming off of a big win against Chad Mendes. Uh, currently, uh, Volkanovski has a 16-fight win streak. He's looked pretty impressive um, in the UFC. Uh, he's the number three featherweight. Jose Aldo's the number one featherweight. Um, and also a slight Vegas uh, favorite. Jose, I think, has kind of been getting a bad rap. This is almost, to me, I'm going to take a, a reference from pop culture and or, you know, hip-hop culture. This is, to me, is kind of like the 50-cent Ja Rule ja Rule um, thing that, you know, Conor McGregor being 50-cent coming in, Jose Aldo being Ja Rule. He says, hey, you know, everyone shouldn't, you know, Jose Aldo's no good. Don't listen to him. Don't watch him, you know, whatever. And then he comes in and, and, and beats him in 13 seconds in the title fight. Um, but after that happened, uh, Jose, I mean, he, he, he's beaten Frankie Edgar. He knocked out Jeremy Stevens. Um, the only two losses that he's had since then are coming to Max Holloway, who's the current uh, featherweight champion. A beast in his own own right. So I mean, you can't really. I don't think knock Jose or say you know oh Jose's washed up. He's the old lion like Conor McGregor said prior to their fight. Um, you, you know I, I I think Jose still has some um, still has fight left in him. There's still some tread on those tires. Uh, he I. Think this might be his last fight, or close to his last fight on his UFC contract, and then he's teased going into boxing. Um, whatever the case may be, I, I'm in combat sports. I'm sure he'll be successful because he's one of the best fighters that we've ever seen in the UFC. I'm picking Jose Aldo to win this. Uh, Jason's picking Jose Aldo to win this. I, I don't think, like I said, I think there's kind of been this um, false narrative that Jose Aldo's washed up, started by Connor, and then um, maybe emphasized with his two losses to Max Holloway. Um, they, they're still, you know, he's still hanging around the top three, top two in the division. So And and I don't see that changing um, for at least, you know, another year or two. So I'm picking uh, Jose. Like I said, Jason's picking Jose. And, uh... We'll see what happens. We'll see if the young lion and Volkanov uh, can can uh, solidify a spot at the at the top of the featherweight division, or if uh, Jose still got some more fight left in him. Moving on to the co-main event of the evening, Jared Cannonier, the Killer Gorilla, versus Anderson the Spider Silva. Um, this is a good middleweight matchup. Uh, Jared Cannonier used to fight at heavyweights. Uh, he's currently on a one-fight win streak. He he just uh, beat David Branch. Um, other than that, you know, he's two and five in his last. Uh, I'm sorry, he's two and three in his last five fights. Anderson Silva is one and four in his last five fights, and kind of, I think a little bit more so with Anderson, but kind of like Jose Aldo, I think there's this false narrative that Anderson's just washed up. You know, he should retire. It's you know with a lot of things that I've said about BJ Penn, I think it's more serious with BJ Penn, but I think a lot of things could be applicable to uh, Anderson Silva. Um, in in his career, you know, people could say, well, you know, look at it, you know, look at all those, uh, look at his last five. You know, he's he, he he lost the title to Weidman, and then he fought Weidman again, broke his leg. That was back in 2013, he didn't fight again until 2016, lost to Michael Bisbing, then he fought again in 2016, lost to Daniel Cormier, beat Derek Brunson in 2017, didn't fight again until 2019 uh, in February, where he just lost to Israel Adesanya, the style bender, who's the current interim champion for uh, middleweight division and is going to be fighting for the title later this summer. Um, so, But if you look at all these, you know, the, the fights that he lost, he Wideman knocked him out, and then there's a freak accident in the second fight, and he broke his leg. You know, that is what it is. The Bisming fight that happened afterwards, there's an argument there that a lot of people make that uh, uh, Anderson actually won that fight. Uh, there's some weird. Uh, you know, a weird situ- situation right at the bell where you know Bisping could have been knocked out. It looked like Anderson thought this what the, you know, the referee called, but Bisping ultimately saved by the bell, continued that fight. E- even with that being said, a lot of people thought that Anderson won that decision. Um, that's not what the official record book says. Uh, he, he so he you know loses a unanimous decision to Michael Bisbing. Uh, then he steps up on extremely short notice to fight Daniel Cormier in a light heavyweight matchup at UFC 200. That's card was just an absolute mess. And, um, you know, he, he fought Cormier, who's, who's a great wrestler, and used the wrestling to his advantage and, and you know, took Anderson down. They're both fighting, uh, uh, you know, an opponent on short notice doesn't, don't have a camp to... Train for him, so you know what can you do there? You know, I, I think most people were going to pick the wrestler in that one. There, I, I didn't think it really anyone seriously thought that Cormier was going to stand there and, and bang with Anderson Silva. Um, you know, and then like I said, he is the last, the latest one that he lost is to a guy who's at the top of the division, and it was a competitive fight. So, um, I think Anderson Silva still has it. Uh, I, I've been going on a lot about him. Uh, I, I think he deserves it, though. I think uh, Cannoneer is definitely an up-and-comer. Uh, I'm glad that he dropped down to the middleweight division. I don't think uh, the heavyweight and light heavyweight division was for him. He he looks better. I think he moves better at the um, uh, middleweight division. However, he does say that he you know he he's going to knock Anderson Silva out. He he intends on standing and trading with him and I don't think he has my take on it is he doesn't have the striking pedigree to do that outside of landing a big shot you know that could catch anybody you know all it takes is one punch type of deal I don't see him beating Anderson Silva in a striking match I'm picking Anderson Silva Um, I'm rambling about Anderson Silva because like I said I don't have my uh, voice of reason Jason here to rein me in Jason's picking Cannoneer, so here's here's the split. Um, he thinks Cannoneer's going to win. He says, you know, sadly, regretfully, you know, because he's a huge Anderson Silva fan, but he's going with Cannoneer. So Jason's picking Cannoneer in the co-main event. I'm picking Anderson Silva. I think Anderson still has it. I don't think he has a title run in him or anything. That's not what I'm saying, but I, I, I think that, you know, the uh, reports of his demise are... Uh, Maybe a little premature. Moving on to the strawweight uh, women's championship main event of the night, champion Rose Namajunas, Thug Rose, takes on Jessica Andrade. Um, this one, to me, it comes down. I well, not to me. I think a lot of people are going to look at this and say, "Where is Rose's head?" She's been pretty open and uh, transparent in the past about. Uh, Joanna getting to her head when she fought her for the championship about uh, the second fight, the Conor McGregor bus attack, and how afterwards she you know couldn't even leave her house and everything. So I, I think that um, a lot of people may wonder where her head's at, and think that that's a big factor, and and maybe even rightfully so into what's you know going into this match. Plus, uh, Andrade is an absolute beast. Power Puncher, pretty well rounded, about as well rounded as you can get. Um, she's won six by TKO, seven by submission, and six by decision. So she's shown that she can do it, you know, win fights anyway, and lose fights in any way. She doesn't, <laughs> I guess, discriminate there either. She's lost uh, twice uh, by TKO, twice by submission, and twice by decision. Um, she is the more experienced fighter, uh, being 19 and six, Rose is, uh, eight and three. And it's easy to look at their last five fights and do some MMA math and say, well, you know, Rose beat, uh, Joanna, who is a champion and, uh, Andraj lost to Joanna. Um, uh, Rose lost to Carolina, and Andrade beat Carolina, and, you know, that's, you know, if you watch the sport of MMA, you know that you can't do MMA math, um, you'll, you'll drive yourself crazy, and there's no rhyme or reason to it, I think what this comes down to, I think Rose has shown, because, um, you know, the bus attack thing happened before her second fight with um, Joanna where a lot of people thought that she won the first fight kind of by you know like luck, lucky punch or whatever you know puncher's chance. She followed that up with a um, five round decision dominant decision and and you know showed that she has what it takes, especially after an incident like that bus attack. Um, she, I think rose to the occasion. I'm picking Rose. Jason's picking andraj and there there's really, I guess I would say, no fault in picking either. Maybe a better way to say it is you can make an argument for each of them, especially looking, they have a lot of similar opponents in their last five, and all of these opponents are the cream of the crop for the strawweight division. And both have been successful. Both are 4-1 in their last five. So, like I said, you can make an argument if Jason... Re- were on this podcast with me tonight, I know that he would be making a strong argument for Andrade, and and rightfully so, because she's, especially in her last few fights, I mean, they were ranting and raving about her, fight, her last fight against Carolina where she knocked her out with one punch in the first round. And it was a spectacular knockout, especially when you're talking about women's strawweight and you don't see... Um, that many knockouts in the women's division alone, let alone in straw where they're fighting 115 pounds. Typically, you don't have that kind of power. You could counter with um, Rose's first fight, her first uh, title fight uh, against uh, Joanna, where you know she TKO'd her and had an impressive, and, and hurt her with one punch too, and then ultimately got the TKO. I mean, that's... They're, they're both impressive fighters. I think maybe the only knock that you could have on Rose is where's her head going to be at. And I don't think that's going to be an issue, but I think that's a fair question. I, I'm picking Rose because I think she's a more technical fighter. I've seen her grown leaps and bounds watching her from the, coming up from the Ultimate Fighter uh, where she lost to uh, carla esparza and the and she could have been the women's she had an opportunity to be the first uh women's strawweight champion um she ultimately got beat by grappling she went down she went back and you know dedicated herself again doubled down and um came back and, and you know just kind of dominated and my thing is you know look like you <laughs> You see even guys with long hair, anyone with long hair in mixed martial arts, you see them on fight day. They have their hair braided to keep their hair out of their eyes. Rose, she said, screw that, I'm going to shave my head. I mean, that shows, that that's a small thing, but it just kind of speaks to her level of dedication uh, to, to being the best that she can be in this sport. And um, I'm, I'm picking Thug Rose. Plus, she trains here in Colorado, where I'm from, so kind of a little bit of a hometown hometown nod to Uh, so that's it Uh, I'm gonna put a bow on this as Jason says that's the uh, UFC 151 fight night wrap-up and uh, UFC 237 preview Uh, I hope I didn't ramble too much on this I can record another one tomorrow Jason if (laughs) this one goes on and on like I said you being the voice of reason you're not here to kind of uh, key me into when I'm going off the rails so, um, appreciate you guys. Um, we look forward to, uh, getting back to this next week with a, uh, wrap up of this pay-per-view UFC, uh, 237, Rio de Janeiro, Thug Rose versus Jessica Andrade, and then we'll be previewing the next upcoming event UFC Fight Night 152 taking place in New York. Uh, Headline by Jafael Dos Anjos versus Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee's uh, move up to welterweight. And um, we'll be running down that card for you guys. And like I said, uh, wrapping up seeing how we did with our predictions for this upcoming pay-per-view UFC 237 Rio de Janeiro. So uh, for Jason, I'm Kevin. I hope you guys enjoy our uh, episode. And... Have a good night.